0: This podcast is supported by Red Energy. Powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, Red is 100% Australian owned and local.
1: Phone 131 806. I think I have become a lot more subtle and thoughtful because I probably didn't always think before I spoke in the past, although sometimes I still have foot-in-mouth disease. And, you yeah, know, I am used to myself. I'm very happy. What I can't abide are
0: politicians who receive a Queen's birthday honour just because they did their job of
1: being a politician. Well, immediately there was a bit of an Adam Goods backlash. Mm, I mean, and it wasn't as bad as Adam Goods, but it was like... oh. Who does he think he is? I mean, you know, get over yourself, Chad. Corey is grumpy. Yes, I am. Cara, big brother is back. I know how you oh, love a real television show. right back on. at your girlfriend.
0: Oh, God. Channel 7, it was bad 20 years ago when it was on Channel 10. It's bad now. It's bad. And I love the fashion,
1: too. And I love the music. I really rocked a lace shirt. I really did. Thank God you didn't say the <laughs> pirate look. If you'd said that, I would have vomited <laughs> Don't Shoot
0: the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Cory Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. Hello everyone and welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger. I am Cory Perkin and this is episode 131 of our little podcast and I'm here with the birthday girl, my very dear friend who. Doesn't mind admitting that she turned 60 on the weekend. In fact, told Channel 9 News, I understand, Caro, that you're 60. Happy birthday, Caro, yeah?
1: Oh, thank you, Corey.
0: You. You. I never
1: Happy really understood this situation about not talking about your age, particularly when you're sort of vaguely well known and you're on Wikipedia and people have seen your contract. And <laughs> I'm loving being 60. I mean, obviously. You know, I hope that I get to seventy, eighty, ninety. Well, maybe a hundred's a bit of a stretch, and it is a bit of a milestone that you do think a little bit more about than any other. But yeah, no, I'm pretty happy. I'm counting well, my blessings, which I said I'd do for the month of June.
0: Well, I want to talk about your birthday a little bit later on because there's a lot of uh, bonhomie goodwill in the air and lots of messages that I want to read out. But don't forget what Phyllis Diller said, Caro. One of my favourite Phyllis Diller quotes. You know you're old when somebody compliments you on your alligator shoes, but you're actually in bare feet.
1: <laughs> well, I'm neither in bare feet nor in alligator shoes, but I am sitting here. But you've in, had a pedicure. In the, I have. I have. I've had a pedicure. I've had a manicure. I've had a leg wax. Oh, it was, that was one of the happiest mornings of my life, I tell you. So that's a nice segue
0: into uh, some of our housekeeping and our correspondence from our lovely messengers out there. Hello, everyone. This is the uh, message I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago. I actually found it, and this came, arrived on my telephone a couple of weeks ago. My name is Anna, and I'm a huge fan of Don't Shoot the Messenger. We are on a road trip. And I had my husband listen to the podcast. As a result, he feels he knows you intimately. He was a little concerned about the length of hair on Caro's legs, the dangers of self-pedicure and overcooking on the HRH's scones. Other than that, as a result of listening to Don't Shoot, he feels more in touch with his feminine side. Can't wait for the next instalment on Caro's legs and Corrie's toes. He is now a dedicated potty, and we will be in touch with Red Energy. A week later, Caro, Anna text again. On return road trip, Anna wrote... Addicted to program. Husband happy to collect your cars and fill with petrol. <laughs> However, he says you're on your own with the sex toys. Pun intended. You caused a bit of. <laughs> you
1: did cause a bit of um, eyebrow raising with the old sex toys. I didn't sort of. You know, people said was she just waiting for the excuse to talk about? Gosh, sex toys? no. It,
0: it was a legitimate story. No, the I've... figures of sales went up quadruple.
1: I get it. Actually, our dear friend Gabby Trainer, who remembers is so good at remembering birthdays, um, wanted to say that your queen scones were absolutely beautiful. She made them over the weekend. Oh, good on it.
0: Well, yes. like, you know, I can't take
1: credit for it. Buckingham Palace chefs can, but
0: that's no, good. But I'm glad they know. worked out. Um, there was an Instagram message from App Magent. Corrie, I think you found the name of your nemesis for your children's book, Randy Fox. <laughs> Which was the name of the sex toy company? I anyway.
1: remember. I ran into our friend Heck the other day, and he's a big podcast fan. And he said, "Brendan the Bandicoot," and he said, "You've got to name them all after your friends." That's what—that's you know the oh, way have you no sort of friends start. left. If I don't you, think Brendan's really an evil name, though. I don't is think it? Brendan's an evil evil. Name. Bandicoots are a good. Brendan evil. is
0: more like the Irish, you know. I don't know, some sort of scruffy,
1: scruffy animal ho- propping up the local pub, I think. Oh, no, I thought you're benevolent sort of nice neighbour. Um, <laughs> um, but bandicoots are quite evil. Didn't, yeah, well, we, we, didn't yeah, we discuss well, bandicoots? Yes,
0: bandicoots was what we came up with, to, you know, to, to kind of appease the local flora and fauna. But Caro, there was a bit of correspondence to me personally and also on the Instagram account uh, confirming that Freddie was indeed the flute, in HR Puff and Stuff, and did you know this? I don't know how I went down this web the other day when I was in investigating HR Puff and Stuff. Did you know that um, the title song HR Puff and Stuff, you yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was actually Paul Simon successfully sued the Croft Brothers, who were the producers, claiming that the theme to HR Puff and Stuff too closely mimicked his song the 59th Street Bridge song, you know, Feeling Groovy. Yeah. So really? he was successful. Oh, yeah, I can
1: I can see that. Yep. They, pay,
0: they paid him a bag of bougie and then he had his name credited as one of the song's co-writers. So if we watch an old episode of H.R. Puff and Stuff, you'll see Paul Simon's name. Just a little bit That's of trivia That's a great
1: there. bit of trivia. Can I just mention the other Anna and the petrol situation? She totally agrees with my self-serve petrol gripe. He never puts petrol in her car. Her husband or daughter always does it. He hates the fumes. He says that in Canada you can go to a separate Bowser and pay an extra five dollars for the service, and she gladly did that. Oh, that's Anna Christopher. We have a
0: lot of Annas who listen and a lot of Janes. It's really interesting. Um, Jane Lowe, thank you for your lovely email. I won't read it out, but we appreciated it. And also from Kim Salt, who's uh, a, a bit of a buddy of mine, married to Bernard Salt. The demographer, um, although, of course, she has her own identity and I understand that, but she wanted to tell us an amusing story. She and Bernard were in the car travelling to the country, to Tarang, where the elderly mothers live, for the first time since lockdown. And she's a mad potty, Carol. She loves Don't Shoot the Messenger. And she suggested to Bernard that they listen. And, of course, it was the day when you and I were talking about him last week about suburban life in suburban Australia. So she said thanks for getting her through a difficult time. She's had it... She's had an unfortunate few months with breast cancer and all of the anxiety and side effects that that causes. Um, So she was very grateful that she could listen to us and also pick up on our tips like, for example, the India Hicks um, podcast where she interviews her mother, Pamela Hicks, which is a real, you know, winner. And she just says, Carol, I wish you the happiest of birthdays and feel for you not to be able to celebrate as you would wish. And um, they had to postpone their son's wedding in Copenhagen. So I feel your pain. Thanks, Kim.
1: It's lovely to hear from you, and lovely to hear that you're on the road to recovery. Kim was in our thoughts at um, a book club weekend we had a few years ago in Tarang because I think that is I
0: think it's where Bernard might, comes from.
1: Yes, and I think and obviously
0: Kim, I guess. Yes,
1: I think they both come from Tarang, and um, which brings me to a, if you listen to our GLT episode later on, we're going to talk about our favourite Victorian destinations because let's face it, Corey. We're not going to be going much further. Or we might throw in a few from New South Wales as well. We might be
0: going to New Zealand, Caro, thanks to Jacinda.
1: Yes, but probably not this month. (laughs) Probably not. Not this month. Now, challenges, Caro. June challenge. How are you going? Starting as I mean to go on. Well, um, the walking's great. Um, The sort of living living a much you know cleaner sort of relaxed life is probably not going so well this week because it's been a massive weekend I basically said um, on Monday night's Footy Classified to Craig off air before we did the show at our production meeting, you've got to carry me tonight. I am just absolutely exhausted. I couldn't say the word ominous and it was on air and I tried to say it. It went out of my head completely. I thought, oh, dear, is this like the beginning of the end? I couldn't think of the word ominous. I think it's ominous. probably just one too many Negronis over oh, the weekend. Oh, it was a big weekend. Anyway, so, um, but, yeah, I'm I'm just having... A lovely sort of quieter time, and I'm not going to rush around and go out to a thousand dinners and plan a thousand things. Um, but the
0: fitness is going well. The fitness
1: is going well. I don't really know what else to say. I mean, I've just found out that um, we can go to AFL grounds in Victoria anyway. I mean, there's going to be fans slowly coming back into grounds elsewhere in Queensland, etc. Starting even this weekend, I'm told. But um, so. I'll be going to the MCG on Thursday night to do pre-game for Three AW, and I'll be going I birthday know, pressing
0: you could get. I know,
1: and going into studios and stuff. But when we're at actual games, we'll be there. And next Thursday night, Corrie, the clash of the Hawks and the Tigers, I'll be there as well. So I feel so blessed and so lucky. But I'm thinking I might even walk to the G in the winter cold. Mm. Walking home could be a bit of a challenge no, in the you dark. Just, you,
0: you you'll you'll have to get some. Uh, you know, you'll have to
1: get an Uber or someone yep. to give you a lift. But I think walking to the G is great. I yep. often walk to our friend Joe's house in Richmond. It's, it's a lovely a good walk. walk, isn't it? Yep, I've, great I've often walk. walked home from um, Saturday radio when I haven't hung around for the whole game, which, you know, let's face it, I often don't. But it's no, so, so that's something I'm going to do. But I'm so glad I can actually go to the football because a week ago, we were told we'd probably be doing it all from studios and the callers would be doing it watching screens. Well, now they can actually go to the games. How about 50 bucks you sneak me in next week as your penciler? It's actually really hard. They check the boot of your car, you get a special wristband, you've got a thing they in your the car. They check the boot of your car. Well, they do that anyway, actually, for security. Oh, do they? But and there, um,
0: there I am hiding. Yeah, no. In my hawthorn <laughs> scarf.
1: No, but you've got to fill in a form and you know, it's like going to a restaurant now and you've got to do your phone app. It's all very complicated. Very, not, 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 not much spontaneous about COVID, Corrie.
0: Okay, so your challenge. What about your challenge? Well, look, I haven't written a word, but I have nailed the book deal.
1: <laughs> what, you, you are you publishing it? You just <laughs> jumped <laughs> on your coffee. Are you publishing it? Oh,
0: thank you, no. Well, you've no, got somebody. Somebody who I can't mention because they have to actually speak to their associate at the publishing company heard our podcast last week and in all seriousness sent me... A message saying, "Sounds great. What do you think? You know, should we pitch it?" I've just gone yeah, here. Just let me run.
1: Well, you know <laughs> so you, you don't quite have a book deal. You've got a, a suggestion of a book deal. That is the absolute What's wrong impetus. With exaggerating Corey. and
0: becoming overexcited? That's
1: the absolute impetus for you to start writing the flipping thing. I <laughs> no. I mean, you know, <laughs> please. You know, they didn't sort of give um, Tolstoy, you know, a million bucks when War and Peace was just an idea. Anyway, good luck. Okay, I'll I'll get cracking. Now, um, I wouldn't say
0: Mr Kitten Goes to Town is in
1: the same... Thank you. For, <laughs> thank you for the analogy with
0: Leo Tolstoy. Well, you know
1: what I meant. Was it the horse whisperer? He wrote one chapter. Nicholas, what's his name? Oh, Sparks. Yes, that's it. Well done. Well done. And um, it was such an unbelievable first chapter. They gave him a massive advance and... It sort of went. It, it was, was all downhill after. Dad. Well, it was. It sort of started really well and started to go downhill in the second half. It still became a movie with Robert Redford and was very good. But well, you see, wasn't... the thing
0: is, in my head, I know exactly what Mister Kitten is doing when he goes to town. I know the impetus for the trip to town. I don't know what he does when he gets there.
1: Well, <laughs> well there's a yeah. There's clearly a bit a bit more work to do. Um,
0: Carol, turning sixty, I want to talk to you about this. But first of all, I do want to say just a couple of words. Um. And I didn't know how to do this. This is actually very late last night, so excuse me if it um, doesn't make sense. But I was thinking about your birthday, and there were a few words I would have loved to have said on the weekend, um, but I'd actually rather say them today because the potties, I think, um, you know, well, they love you because they listen to us. I mean, if you if you drove them nuts, they wouldn't <laughs> be listening to you. But also, for any of us who are facing significant birthdays and have friends in our lives and we want to say happy birthday, maybe this is a bit of a catalyst so I thought I would just make my own little BSF, which as everybody knows is our segment book, screen and film, uh, sorry food. But today I'm going B, uh, just to here are some words that when I think of you and I think they start with B, I think of brainy. Now you are, as, as Anna from the op shop said the other day, you, are, you have an elephantine memory. You remember things, I don't just mean the trivial things like what we wore to the 21st, but you remember the names of start, How often i have I have been caught short here, scrambling through my iPhone trying to find the facts and figures, or Jane and I are like, is she right? We don't know. Of course you're right. You remember the actor. You remember the year it happened. You remember the line. You remember the footy game. You remember the incident. You are amazing how you do that. Yeah, oh, well, thank you. And your um, mother also has an incredible brain, so it must be an hereditary thing.
1: I think she she's – um an un, and her wealth of knowledge in certain areas is quite staggering. There's certain films you can only see with mum because she understands every nuance and every tribute. But, you know, I couldn't remember the word ominous the other night and you remembered Nicholas Sparks, so you're not bad yourself, Colin. Um,
0: you're also bright. You're bright to be around and we love that and you are brilliant. And um, – you're busy. You're one of the busiest people I know. Your diary is constantly full. Um, I'm lucky I actually just get to see you once a week at this little podcast.
1: <laughs> oh, I've actually picked up the diary again. I've started filling it in. It's,
0: it's frightening. Yeah, it? I
1: know. There was just two months when we didn't look at our diaries. No, well, tell me about the $54 diary at home,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, um, right. You are also a little bit bossy, yeah, which I think enough. you'd acknowledge. Um, you are a bridge queen and boring never, so I took that word out, and you are beloved All of your friends love you and all of your, uh, I think there are lots of people in the football world would say that they care about you hugely. Apart from respect, they love your company. S now, stimulating. You're sociable. You're a storyteller. And I put in the word service because for many years you have offered great service to your readers and your listeners and your viewers. Really going above and beyond what a normal journal would to provide You know, shining the light in dark corners and all the things that good journalists do. And in that regard, you are a great journalist. Um, You are also smooth. And when you're trying to get a story, you are somewhat seductive. Do you remember that time you took me years ago to an interview (laughs) in North Melbourne with some dodgy and you said, you talk to the friend, I've got to get the story out of the player manager. Do you remember (laughs) <laughs> and you sat there as he plied you with cocktails. No, no, I had to talk no, to the boring.
1: I, no, I left you with a player manager. So oh, I, oh, you had the player. Get, who, did, who wanted to sit in on the interview, remember? He wanted to sit in on the. And conversation. you said I had to
0: be a foil while you seduced that. Anyway, I, I don't think I saw seduced it first was a hand. word,
1: Corrie. I mean, I was trying to get a, an Seductive. interview. Seductive.
0: Well, yeah. you, you seduced the story out of well, it. Well,
1: sometimes I think it's a bit sexist when some of the blokes say that because, I mean, you know, male do journos... I'm a female, I can say that. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, scandal, you love one. And
0: S for shopping, never seen anybody whiz through <laughs> cream cornwall as fast <laughs> as you. F, fascinated, because you're fascinated in everything that people tell you and you are fascinating yourself. And film is another one that starts with F because you love films and you love footy. There's no denying that. Faithful. You are incredibly faithful to your old friends and um, you are fearless in your uh, drive for not just stories and from a journalistic front, but also fearless in, in the many causes that you believe in. And F is for family oriented. You are a wonderful wife, a wonderful mother, and you know such a fantastic daughter to your two parents uh, who are not uh, who are not aging might I add they were there having lots of champagne the other day too i noticed across a crowded balcony <laughs> yeah
1: they were well they were well having i mean fun. well it was just a you know obviously um i wasn't overseas which would have been nice um i wasn't there wasn't a party because you got not allowed to. So just to have a few drinks with whoever was around, a few locals, was so lovely, but it's pretty amazing. To have your to parents make, yeah, there. Yeah. it, was yeah, it is. was great. You're it so is.
0: lucky. And if you'd been overseas, you wouldn't have had that opportunity. And then F finally is for friend because you're a terrific one and I love you lots and I'm so honoured to Corrie. call you my friend for more than 40 years amazing isn't it it is amazing it's amazing, thank- it's amazing. We, we're still here with our alligator feet
1: yeah um, no thank you very much actually my feet aren't so bad Corrie can I just say particularly after the pedicure and they don't look like alligators I'm so
0: <laughs> glad about the pedicure so Caro tell me about turning 50 Martin Scorsese once said well, 60 oh, sorry, 60 what did I say
1: 50. Oh, that's but handy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> wait another my, my ten minutes. My bridge I'll make partner, 40. my bridge partner Mary, might be turning in her. Um, well, if she's listening to this, when you say I'm a bridge queen, I, I'm surprised she hasn't sacked me. Our online bridge career hasn't quite been the career we had hoped. Oh, wait till you're back in the room mm. or on the table. She played with someone else the other day, and they did really well. So I was a little bit nervous.
0: Caro Martin Scorsese, the famous Hollywood director, said once uh, on the eve of his 60th birthday, "I'm going to be 60, and I'm almost used to myself." Are you used to yourself?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. In fact, I, I think you were born used to yourself, no, I, actually.
0: No, I'm. You I'm, have a great sense of self.
1: Yeah, I think, well, I mean, that's different to being used to yourself. Yeah, mm. I know exactly what he means. I know exactly what he means. And um, when you're used to yourself, um, I think you just, you become more used to the people around you and you make, you decide, you value things differently. You do value things like loy- loyalty and hard work and intelligence, I think the older I get, I think you'd almost, you know, I think being around people who don't sort of think things through can often be more frustrating than people who can do the occasionally mean thing, Mm. if you know what I mean. And intelligence is not something that necessarily means you're academically intelligent either. I don't know why I just sort of went off on that tangent.
0: Emotional intelligence, I think, is one of the the great gifts that can be bestowed upon a person.
1: Yes. Um, I think I have become a lot more subtle and thoughtful because I probably didn't always think before I spoke in the past, although sometimes I still have foot-in-mouth disease. And, yeah, I am used to myself. I'm very happy. I mean, I, I think if you turn a certain age and think life's been good to you, there's no reason to worry about getting old. I mean, it's just so inevitable. It's such a waste of time really. And so, yeah, I am, I guess.
0: That's good. Is there a favourite decade in your life?
1: Oh, look, the 80s were pretty good, let's face it. No,
0: I mean your 20 to 30, 30. Oh, well, I suppose eight... that defines you, doesn't it, actually? Yeah, the 80s You're were my 20s of because right?
1: I was born in 1960. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> I'll catch up with the sums in a minute. Yeah, I mean, Clearly maths I, I is not one of my I wouldn't say <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't turned 80 yet. I, I wouldn't say there'd been a really bad decade, but um, the 80s... In the early days of um, being chief footy writer, my old sports editor, Steve Linnell, used to say, oh, you're just from that 80s crowd. You're so 80s. And he was almost disdainful. And there was a group of us who he said, and the people you're friends with, you know, you're just so 80s. But I loved the 80s because they started out, you know, first job, moving into writing in the sports department, living overseas, and then it ended up with probably getting married. So it was very much a bookended decade. I must say I'm enjoying, you know. Well, I wouldn't say I'm enjoying the '20s because it's only been, you know, a few it's been months. A terrible
0: start to the '20s. It's been, a,
1: it's been a terrible start, but as my youngest daughter said to me the other day, Mum, when you look at how bad this period has been for a lot of people, we have. She just, I know it's a cliche. We've been so lucky. Mm. Um, the '90s were um, when I was in my '30s. Corrie, were when um, I had children. Um, oh. Started out literally. I mean, my happy w- birthday to Rose, to Rose who, who turns thirty, 30 this, week. this week, and she was born two oh, days after my thirtieth birthday. And then five, I had Clem at the age of thirty-five. So that was a really busy, and you know, money was tight, and you're working really hard. And you don't really, and, you, and we lived in a beautiful. We we bought a big old house, but it was very old. And then at, by the end of the decade, we'd um, fixed it up. So look. It's so funny. You look, you actually look back at those sort of things, and I look back in at my forties and go, "The forties are a great era for anyone." They are, but you're very busy, aren't you? You're busy, but you're You're probably if you're working too. You're still looking pretty good, but you're starting to be more established in your career. Mm. Your children are at school, and um, you know, depending on what age you have children, but that was for me and. You know, I I love the school years. I love particularly the senior school years. You know, I just really enjoyed the friends I made over that period, you know, the, the music. But we were um, so
0: busy though. The rowing, we? the
1: athletics, when I the look football. Back, when I look the... back
0: to the decades of, the, of being 40, 40 to 50, I just feel I was in the car the whole time, racing to work, dropping kids off from school, dropping them off at football or yeah. rowing or. You know, someone's gathering and you'd sit outside at 10, you know, 10 minutes past 10 and you'd said to them, you've got to be out the front at 10 and you're thinking, do I go inside, do I not? You know,
1: that, whole, oh, and I, oh, no. look, that I, whole worry, that stress, will they take drugs, will they be safe? I know, I was late for the odd school pickup. I still feel bad about that. But, look, honestly, I've, I feel as though I've made most posts a winner and I'm feeling incredibly fortunate. But I'm yes, glad you are. Yeah, so I must say the 1980s were – and I love the fashion too and I love the music <laughs> – I loved. I've really rocked a lace shirt. <laughs> I really did. Oh, thank God you didn't say the pirate look. <laughs> if you'd said that, I would have vomited.
0: Um, so our generation had, well, probably the older baby boomers are really redefining sixty. I must say, I can remember my grandmother um, having her sixty fifth birthday, and she looked nothing like we look like. I don't mean to laugh,
1: but it was a really different. Attitude to growing old, wasn't it? Yes. No, that's that's true. Well, the other thing is, I think, and I'm not just I'm not. This is not a fish for compliments, but it made me think of it on Footy Classified on Monday night. So Matthew Lloyd presented me with these beautiful flowers at the end of the show, and um, Hutchie said, "Don't do a." Um, Tony Jones Beck Jard, like, don't lean over and try and kiss Carol when she pushes you away, which is what happened famously on the news with Tony Jones. And I said, well, that's not going to happen because it's COVID. And then I was about to say, and, you know, Matthew's clearly not Tony Jones and I'm so not <laughs> Beck Jard. And I thought, as you get older, if you're not someone who, I've, it must be hard when you're absolutely beautiful, you know, when you're one of those people who walk into a room and, you know everybody i mean i always wanted you always wanted secretly want to be that person but when you're not i mean you're happy with the way you look but you're not that's not what defines you it's sort of not such a big deal getting older too do you know what i mean i think
0: well i think so i think because you, you're not defining yourself from beauty because beauty well it's as we know it's inside it's not outside yeah but if you are somebody who counts the wrinkles and is very concerned about the menopausal tummy as i call it and all of those sorts of things i think growing old What's would be a menopausal be tummy Oh, you know, the thickening of the waist, the, muff, oh. the muffin top. Oh, okay. Jane, you don't have it. Don't be ridiculous. Jane's pretending. <laughs> Jane's doing Marcel, Marceau over there. <laughs> Jane's Sign pretending language. to join our group. Come on, young people over here, you know, <laughs> stage right, please. Oh, very um, I'd just like to say a quick hello and also happy 60th to a couple of our listeners. One to Sharon, my dear friend Sharon. Shaz, the fellow Hawthorne supporter, born the same day as you, Caro.
1: Really? There you go. Really? Oh, and my friend Damien Silk. Big Tiger fan. He was also born the same day and as me. And also
0: my my dear friend, very dear friend, Peter, uh, husband of Penny. Penny is, and I think her daughters actually, they're all keen, don't shoot the messenger listeners, but Peter has been a friend for a very long time and um, I'd like to wish him a happy birthday today actually. Caro, you're in pretty good company with people who are turning 60 this year, Nigella Lawson. Really I well, often think you look like her when, you, no, oh, when you're licking
1: your my fingers at midnight wishes. with the <laughs> refrigerator door
0: open and you're in your little satin pyjamas. <laughs> Julianne Moore, the actress. Uh, Colin Firth, he really? looks pretty good for 60. He does. Hugh Grant doesn't look so good for 60. Oh, oh September did. 9 is his birthday. Your dear friend Bono, who you mentioned the other day. Yannick Noah, the tennis player. I did not realise that. Um, Antonio Banderas, who I watched the other night as Buzz in Boots. Is he 60? In Shrek 2. Oh, is he 60? He is 60. Michael Hutchins, if he was alive, would be 60.
1: Would he? The
0: new Instagram pin-up since COVID, Stanley Tucci, is turning 60.
1: Is that all? I See, I always think of him as older than me, isn't that? that, that that's funny. You often think of people as being older than you and then you realise you're actually as old as them.
0: Well, this one will just make you feel a bit unwell. Prince Andrew, 60.
1: Oh, yeah he's in a bit of strife um he? He? he
0: looks about seventy five um Kenneth Branner Mel M- meninga is he sixty. <laughs> And Jennifer Grey, remember her on as the sister on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and also Dirty Dancing. Dirty you dancing couldn't get yet. two different, more different roles. But the Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that scene in the cop station with Charlie Sheen, is just my all-time great oh, scene. Oh, it's a great film. Um, Hugo Weaving is sixty, and Kristen Scott Thomas, who's also a big pin-up of yours. Online. Oh,
1: she looks really good for sixty.
0: I don't want to. I don't want to make you unwell, but soon to turn sixty-one, Mike Pence. Now, honestly, Mike Pence, the vice president of the U.S., he looks about. Like, he doesn't look our age. <laughs> no. And he doesn't have our attitude. Well, that's okay, a different
1: political sphere, but no, he
0: doesn't look, he looks a lot older. Do we look that old? Oh. When I read that last night, I nearly fainted.
1: Oh, well, look, my quick cheerio, I was bookended by two very, very old family friends. Well, three really. We all turned 60 within three days of each other. Michael Ramsden.
0: Happy birthday, Tony Michael. Blakely
1: and Virginia Dahlenberg. Oh,
0: Virginia To my favourite
1: childhood bookends, happy birthday to you all.
0: Okay, so let's move on to something a little more serious than your sixtieth um, protest in the time of COVID. Would you? Did you know anybody who marched? Would you have marched on Saturday, given the health issues before us, or uh, would you
1: not? Look, probably not because of because of the social distancing situation. I had a family member who was going to march and was determined to march, and then my mother spoke to them and asked them not to march because we were going to be having, as you just mentioned, a big family lunch for my 60th. And she said, if you march, then I won't be able to come to Caro's 60th or you won't because um, I've worked so hard to keep away mm. from people and I'm in my 80s. And so they did the right thing. They immediately said, oh, look, of course, I didn't think of that. And they didn't march. And it doesn't mean that I think if I was in my 20s, I probably would have marched, Corrie, to be honest, to be brutally honest. It's been such a, you know, the, the the cause and the reason for the march was so important. And I think it was, it all went pretty well and certainly in Melbourne, didn't it? 10,000 yeah. people?
0: It, it did. And it was no mostly Barneys. peaceful. There were a yeah. couple
1: of arrests, there were a couple of injured people,
0: but apart from that. So of course, the protest marches, which involved thousands of people around Australia... Um, were in response to last week's killing of George Floyd by police in Minneapolis. And that event, of course, has triggered this massive global response about racism. And of course, here in Australia, it prompted many Australians to consider our country's own blemished record. And that record includes, of course, 441 Aboriginal deaths in custody since 1991 there was no special distancing enforced by police, I understand. Uh, New South Wales government had lodged, um, so, you know, some, they wanted some sort of quick legislation to stop people protesting, but the court uh, within hours of the march on Saturday said no, they are allowed to march. Um, I just think, I think it's been really interesting, Caro, because so many people, young and old, are really identifying with this. I don't know. Well, you wouldn't actually You wouldn't have seen Q&A the other night because, of course, you're on the other network. But Q&A was really interesting. They looked at this particular issue. Um, Latona Dungay, the, whose son David Dungay Jr., was killed in custody in Long Bay Jail in 2015. She spoke. There wasn't a dry eye in anybody's home, I don't think, as we heard from her. Um, all she wants is Justice. Uh, people have come up with lots of different solutions. Where, where do we go from here? Uh, a review of policing, training of police, law enforcement legislation, and also a number of indige- getting, getting the numbers up of Indigenous people in government. So not just federal government, but local government, state government, that's what we really need. And so they can self-determine. So those elders, so those representatives can actually have a say and determine how this should be resolved. Marcia Langton, you know, one of our great heroes and a good friend of the bookshop, I must say. Professor Langton was recognised in the Queen's Birthday Honours and she used this moment, Carol. I don't know whether you saw it on Monday night, Um, she was on the news everywhere talking, using that award and that moment to actually really highlight what's happening here. And she said, I believe we're all one species and we all have the same potentials. And she said, I would have thought it's all pretty straightforward do not kill Aborigines.
1: Yeah, look, the, the, it, it's it's a multi-layered, clearly, and dreadful and such an important... It's, it's the issue, really, at the moment, isn't it, going forward? But I think the thing that... It's almost disturbed me more than anything else is the fact that a policeman killed not just a black person but just killed someone he was arresting. I mean, that's what's really terrifying, the law enforcement... Uh, law enforcement... Agents and law enforcers are people we need to trust. They're the and, and we do expect more from them. That was like such a breakdown of trust. I can't tell you how horrified I was by that particular element of it. And obviously, the Black Lives Matter issue that has resonated around the world, not just in America, but um, you know, the and I, you, I always have a go at you for spending too much time on Donald Trump because he's such a. It is just such a waste of space and such a nightmare of a leader. I almost just don't even think we need to talk about him. But honestly, the way he's behaved over this has just been so disgusting. And um, and then and then we bring it back to Australia and um, even in the AFL where Hawthorne's Chad Wingard has said, look, I'm just so horrified by the reporting of this. And I wouldn't say all the reporting has been like that, but certainly early on... You know the disgust and the venom, the vehement sort of dislike and disapproval of what the protesters were doing has meant that he placed a media ban on himself, and immediately I respect that. Well, immediately there was a bit of an Adam Goods backlash. Mm, I mean, and it was it it wasn't as bad as Adam Goods, but it was like oh. Who does he think he is? I mean, you know, get over yourself, Chad, and that sort of response. And and Kane Corns, who used to play with Chad because they were both Port Adelaide footballers for a time, on Footy Classified sort of talked about the fact that players need to be cooperative with the media at the moment because the AFL is desperately trying to get money for clubs and the industries in crisis, etc. And I, I understood the point he was making, but it was such a small point compared to to Chad's bigger point and you know so few indigenous australians in football are prepared to speak up now mm. because because of what happened really because of what happened to Adam Goodes like why would you put your head up when that sort of when when your, your life can almost be at the point of being ruined so um i really admired what he did i, did I really too. did i
0: agree speaking of footy carrow and it's back on the agenda this week in a super quick dot point form what would you say are the three biggest Issues of this week or the three big challenges?
1: Well, the three big stories. The attendances. The fact that, you know, in Queensland, it looks like the Premier will allow, the chief medical people are going to allow 25% capacity at sporting venues in Queensland, which will mean that um, at the Gabba and Metricon Stadium, and obviously Suncor for the NRL, that if they wanted to, at at the Gabba this weekend, you could have 10,000 people. They're going to introduce it slowly, incrementally, and start with 1,000, but that is huge. And I reckon here in Victoria, and New South Wales are hoping to get corporates in this weekend. Adelaide, ditto for the uh, showdown. But you're, you're hoping to get me in for the Hawks-Richmond clash? Yeah, I think that's a bit, a bit optimistic. In the boot of your car. I'll be glad. To, the MCG will be happy to welcome you back, Corey. the most... Um, Worst attendee that they've had in many years. Once last year. Um, Oh, actually, I don't even know whether I did once. Did I? Go on. Anyway, I'm not sure you did. Yeah, so what's what's the next So that's a big issue, and I think there will be crowds back at the MCG in very small numbers maybe in a month. Second one is a TV rights deal. There's still no broadcast deal. They haven't agreed on a figure for this year, which will obviously be reduced, Foxtel, Channel 7 and Telstra. I'm still confident that deal will get done. And as a segue to that, will it be an anti-climax and have people left the game and got used to it not being in their lives? Mm. That is, to me, the biggest issue. I mentioned the anticlimax last week. Um, round one, a lot of people tuned into Richmond Carlton. By the next night, the numbers had dropped dramatically for the Friday night game which involved Collingwood. So, you know, it's just going to be really interesting how that goes. So, so job losses is obviously a big issue, but this week that's there are the issues. Oh,
0: good. All right. Well,
1: the hubs are pretty interesting too. They had a oh, fire they... in the <laughs> first hub had a fire yesterday morning at the Royal Pines. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to the laugh. But I heard that. I just
0: thought what is It's like sending <laughs> I... all of these 14-year-old boys away
1: on I heard that you know how some three Camp. three West Coast players are bringing their families because they're allowed to. Um, one apparently one player of one of the hub teams wanted to bring their parents. I'm sorry to laugh. I don't. I mean, you know, maybe they were feeling a bit insecure. But anyway, anyway, they were. I don't think their parents are coming.
0: I might let that just settle. Crush of the week for Red Energy.
1: High Red Energy.
0: Um, Our wonderful supporters, and they uh, have been fantastic with our podcast, just gathering up into their bosom, Caro, the Red Energy Gang have, and they apparently
1: love our show, which is even nicer. Call one three one eight zero six for Real Aussie Energy. Since you're carrying the show, Corrie, a bit of introduce your crush. (laughs) My crush. So we're just
0: still a bit on the topic uh, of George Floyd. My crush, Caro, is Darnella Frazier the 17-year-old who took the video of George Floyd being suffocated and killed by police on Monday. She then posted it as proof of police brutality and immediately it, of course, went viral. She She stood there for the whole nine minutes and filmed it and the police did not make a move to move her off, which is interesting in itself that they didn't sort of feel they were doing anything terribly wrong. According to her Facebook page, Darnella has been receiving numerous questions about why she didn't fight off police for the duration of the video and in fact do something to save Floyd. Her response was she was terrified as a 17-year-old to take on the cops and help Floyd and she felt that whatever she was doing was important and she did not expect him to be dead at the end of it. So we all might have different views on that. As journalists, uh, that's always that extraordinary moment, isn't it, of being the participant or the independent observer and how many war correspondents and people who have covered civil unrest over the years, we've seen the journalists trying to do their story do, do you get involved, do you not? Difficult. But I think Michael Moore, the Hollywood documentary maker, said this best on his podcast, Rumble. And he said to, he he commended Darnella Frazier. He actually said maybe she should be up for an Academy Award in the nonfiction section next year. That um, this video had been watched by probably more people ever before. And she said, to all of the other people who are in this situation, like Danella, be a witness to injustice and show it to billions around the world. Um, and he said, Thank you, Danella. And I think that she's actually handled it really well. Her responses have been very thoughtful. I hope she's not vilified for this. And um, she's my hero, she's my crush.
1: Very appropriate crush. Um, you're also going to – you seem to be – I know I've dominated the show today. No, because – well, I'm thank ca- you. Am I
0: carrying you? Am I, thank- am I Eddie? Craig? No, who carried
1: you? <laughs> Craig. Carried you. Oh, dear. Um, that, that's real. The Sh- things I have in common with Craig Hutchinson – now, Corrie, it is time for BSF, um, and I, I do have a screen, but you're going to kick off with a book.
0: Yeah, so it's called The Motion of the Body Through Space by Lionel Shriver-Carrow. Lionel is one of our favourite American authors, leapt into our hemisphere about 20 years ago with We Need to Talk About Kevin. And, of course, you and I loved the post-birthday world, and I think you are currently reading The Mandibles and you're going to review that soon. Yes. Would that be right?
1: Well, our friend, um, our dear friend Deb Conway said it is the most appropriate book. In the time of COVID.
0: Yes, I I'll gather so. I'll come back so. to you on that. Um, the Motion of the Body Through Space is Shriver's 15th novel, and she tackles the matter of the fitness industry, its impact on our lives, on our bank accounts, and the, and in the case of American middle-class couple Remington and Serenata, the impact it has on their marriage. Um, turning 60, it's actually quite... Uh, quite poignant at the moment that we're talking about you turning 60 because this couple are in their early 60s and they, Serenata for years and years has been a fitness fanatic. She's always run around the block and everything, but cruel timing, a violation of her territory. She's had to give up running because her knees are shot. And at the same time, Remington decides that he is going to start running. So she's sitting in the armchair with her bad knees feeling rather Uh, agitated, whereas Remington is off doing marathons and triathlons and spending quite a bit of time with his new personal trainer, Bambi. Oh, I'm not going to say any more, but this is Lionel Shriver at her most um, kind of agitated best. She really gets under the skin of all of us who don't want to age, who think that by doing a bit of fitness, we are heroes. Who spend way too much money on lycra? Interesting. It is a really good book for our time. So that is my tip.
1: What's your screen? Well, this is a this is a Netflix series. Netflix, Cory, not Stan, not SBS on demand, oh, God, not see. Amazon, not Prime. Oh, that's Prime. Same thing. My sister has been telling me to watch this for about two or three months, so I've just started. I can't go into huge detail about whether I think it's good or not. She claims the whole thing is brilliant. It's a six-part series appropriate for the footy fan. It's called The English Game. Oh, sounds great. It's an historic drama and it's basically about the origins of football. Except we call it soccer, but yeah, football. And it's basically... it's set in the 1800s, um, moving to the late 18, to, to the sort of the 1880s. And it's the premise is that um, football and sport was basically a gentleman's game. It was for the upper classes. And this is about how the working classes started to play football, leading to the first FA Cup. So, it is a great – for people who love sport, for people who love historic drama, you'll recognise all the faces but there aren't any huge names in it. it you'll you'll recognise all of them from things that you and I have loved for many years on the BBC. It, it's a six-part series, as I said. It is just perfect. Sounds great. According and, to my sister and she's usually a pretty good judge.
0: And how good is Belgravia, just quietly? Yes. Don't forget, everybody, keep yes. watching. Uh, the third one BBC was –
1: first. The third one as good as – Oh, no,
0: let's keep going. so We won't give anything away. And just quickly, back to the pictures soon, into the theatre. Is there anything in particular you're looking forward to
1: seeing? Well, I am actually looking forward to The Secret Garden. I'm sorry. (laughs) Colin Firth. I think, did I see... um,
0: Fellow fellow sextagenarian?
1: Yeah, I I think it's got... Oh, it, it's got a few other famous names in it. But anyway, I think it looks absolutely brilliant. It's one of my favourite books. I love the original film. So, yeah, I'll be looking forward to that. But you're, you're going to buy tickets for me to something, aren't I you? I am,
0: yes, with Steve Carell. I can't remember the name of it, but um, I thought we might have a celebration, you know,
1: well, bust out. It, very little that he does it isn't sort of absolutely brilliant. Now, Cara, really. on
0: to food. And this is uh, something that I actually served to you not that long ago. It is from the old Alimentari cookbook, which is oh, course, our old from friend the Alimentari, <laughs> Alimentari uh, the wonderful uh, delicatessen and cafe uh, in Collingwood or Fitzroy. I forget just at the moment. Um, this is called Farro Persian Feta and Almond Salad. And I'm not going to go through how you put it together, but... Kel Island, this is an easy one to
1: do. <laughs> oh, Kel, I've got a really, I've got a really easy. simple one for Kel next week too. But all you, you do ahead. is you
0: put you put five hundred grams of pearled farro into a saucepan and boil it and and simmer it and do serve it al dente. Kel, don't overdo it. And then you put uh, ghee, which I think is just one of the great unsung heroes of cooking uh, one and a half tablespoons of ghee oh, into a pan.
1: brought ghee back into my life. And
0: you get a packet of slivered almonds and cook them up till they're nice and toasty and beautiful. And then you... Uh, Drain them on a paper towel and then in a small bowl, you combine a bit of olive oil and you've already made your fresh pesto. Again, Alimentari has the best pesto recipe ever and I've done that before on the podcast, but we will repeat it again. And then to assemble the salad, you fold the farro, some Persian feta and... Herbs and almonds together with the pesto in a large bowl. So it's all a beautiful greeny colour. What I did the other day, which I usually do is I add heaps of rocket cut up really finely because it just it just the green pops a bit more. So the pesto is bright green and fantastic, but it does tend to blend in a bit. But the fresh herbs and Is there the basil rocket, as
1: well in the pesto?
0: Yes, there is basil and parsley in the pesto. It's a great pesto Jeff Slattery recipe. Jeff
1: says it's not pesto if it doesn't have just basil. I know.
0: Well, it's definitely... This is one of the great pesto recipes. I'll have that as well. But farro Persian feta and almond salad. And for people who like a grain salad, this one is absolutely yum. I as. actually
1: can say it has been one of your triumphs, one of your true triumphs. Thanks A really much. good recipe. It's... um Julie Walters is in the secret garden. I couldn't remember her Oh, as the
0: housekeeper? Yeah. Dickens' mother.
1: Oh. Yeah, absolutely love that. That was BSF for Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. And as we said, Corrie, you can call 131806 for Real Aussie Energy. The Melbourne-based team will help you out. Tell them, Carrie and Corrie. Who? (laughs) You know, again, our friend Tanya called me Corrie the other day. It's so funny. As she takes another swig of her Negroni. Caro and Corrie sent you. You don't even know who you are. What are, you, what are you grumpy about today, can I just Coriander? Say,
0: I, I just know that you're uh, going to you know, say that I'm carrying the show here, but can I just – I'm not going to read out the little bleating text from you yesterday, but it was basically like, oh, my head is addled And I said, any suggestions, anything you want to talk about, you came up with a screen. So I just want everyone to I know I do have a couple of other am, ideas. This is, my, this is my birthday gift to Carol. I'm nonstop talking. This is The Cori Perkins Show with Jane Neild. Um, I'm what grumpy.
1: Excuse me, Cori. Excuse me. And
0: our, and our guest, our special said, guest, Jane,
1: Caroline Wilson. What about the I said we should talk about the protest? You I did. said we should talk about the return of footy. I had lots of amazing ideas. <laughs> amazing ideas. I said we should go back on our monthly Relevant, challenges. Relevance deprivation, Jane. It's just... Sad when you get to 60. Bloody lucky I texted you. Around. Now, seriously, I was feeling so all Oh, uh,
0: Corey is grumpy. Yes, I am. Carol, big brother is back. I know how you oh, love a real FT television. Right. they back show. at your
1: girlfriend. Oh, God, God. Really? You, the, seriously, you know, they ban books on that show. I mean, any show that bans books... I had this argument with Clementine the other morning. Is channel just... What channel is it on? 7 now. Channel 7,
0: it was bad 20 years ago when it was on Channel 10. It's bad now. It's bad. It's just shocking. It just promotes... And it doesn't
1: even have Gretel Colleen, does it? No, I mean, it has she was some. One of the Son- Sonia Kruger. Oh, really, Sonia?
0: Come well, on. I don't mind Sonia, Who? but I,
1: Gretel no, but it... carried that show, didn't she?
0: I'm not saying another word, mm-hmm. but, you know, what, like... It doesn't have a deserted island. There's no racing around the country. There's no cooking up a storm. There's nothing that makes reality television even worth I its... loathe reality I know television, you do. as you know. But and I up... do love MasterChef, although I haven't watched the current series. but And I don't, I didn't mind in the early days, Survivor, when Fat Rich won all the money. But, um, well, he, well actually he was thin rich by the end of the three weeks <laughs> on the island. He was very fat when he started. But... Honestly, I just uh, – please stop me, Carol. I can't even talk about Big Brother. So that's what I'm grumpy about. So grumpy, it is totally scary. Now, I have a question for you and my question is Channel 7 last week acts two of its footy shows, The Game Day, which is on Sunday morning, and Monday nights talking footy with Tim Watson. What's going on and what what effect will this have on Channel 7's footy coverage?
1: Well, it is interesting and you sort of um, – should should the the host broadcaster the part the AFL's broadcast partner actually have football shows? Is it incumbent upon them? Um, I think that um, it, it it is it would be more would be better if they did. Um, the Monday night show was um, on the second channel and never really, um, unlike sort of on the couch. It's the show that. Was originally talking mm. footy on Channel 7 many, many years ago that Mike Sheehan started off in and Bruce McAvaney, It never really sort of had a, a point to it. So I'm not surprised that the Monday night show's gone, but I am surprised about Game Day. Um, The thing about Game Day, hosted by Hamish McLaughlin, was it always had a lot of great guests and great vision because, you know, Channel 7 had all the vision and was assigned. A lot of guests um, were commentators signed to the network. They have a revolving panel, a bit like the Insiders, although a completely different show, and Offsiders, but I think with the offsiders it works differently. I think they need a set panel. And there is a view among the AFL that game day could come back in some form later in the year. The show they really need, that they overthought, was the pre-game on Saturday night. It's been called The Kick. They tried to steal before the game by getting, you know, Sam Lane and a few other cast members, Mick Malloy, et cetera, never really – they they never knew quite what to do with it. So I think now – they should just spend that pre-game, that Saturday night show. Produce They always had different producers to the actual footy. Just make it a pre-game footy coverage. That's what we want to hear about, a bit of what happened today and a bit of what's happening tonight and talk, get the coaches in. I mean, all the coaches will have to step up now. Everyone's going to have to step up to help the network and help the coverage, so... It is, it is pretty disappointing. It's not that difficult, is it? But, you know, the Front Bar, which has been a really successful show, is back and that's great. It'll be interesting to see how that goes without a live audience, but I back those guys on that show to, to make it work. Now, Corey, what's your feeling about the Queen's Birthday Honours?
0: I have no feelings whatsoever. Over the years, Caro, and it's probably a sign of getting old as well, I know more and more Australians who are receiving Queen's Birthday Honours and good on them. I love them. I think they're brilliant and they deserve some acknowledgement. What I can't abide are politicians who receive a Queen's birthday honour just because they did their job of being a politician, just because they're in the role of advocates for their community, which you would hope most members of <laughs> members of Parliament are. Why should they be rewarded with a Queen's birthday honour? Now, well, if they've done something particular... And all of, really them, particular. all of them,
1: you're talking about Tony Abbott. Um, I mean, Den- and
0: Dennis Napstein.
1: Yep, yeah. Well, I mean, they, they sort of singled out certain areas where they had done good community work. So I, I think guess, of all
0: the unsung heroes who have done way more community work than that. Well, there anyway.
1: are there are a lot of unsung heroes in those honours, whether you believe in them or not. And I want to send a cheerio to our friend Mandy Millage, who is a really, really worthy recipient, who received a Queen's birthday honour. So that's just one that I could single out well from done, Mandy. this year's batch.
0: Now, which AFL coach has been a standout during lockdown? Well...
1: Alistair Clark oh, yeah, has certainly been on. He's been on a lot of committees. Clark and, and he's funny
0: um, and witty and on Instagram and all sorts of things. Mm,
1: not so much, but oh, yeah. You, Jane, <laughs> she just doesn't give Hawthorne <laughs> not one inch, not one. Damien Hardwick did a better TikTok. You know, I've been really impressed with Nathan Buckley. I reckon he's spoken with great reason, with great empathy, with great pathos. I know behind the scenes he did a lot of arm twisting when that first pay cut was mooted and not everybody came on board straight away, but obviously they've all taken big pay cuts now. I'd also single out Chris Fagan, who's done a lot of media and has been – in. you know, he's had to keep a lot of players together because not all of them – a lot of Brisbane players went to their home states and left, and he's had to keep them all together, particularly the more high-maintenance ones. I think he's been incredibly impressive, and he's tried to get jobs outside of footy for all of his assistants – those who um, did lose their jobs before we knew about JobKeeper, et cetera. And probably another one who I think is well, just because he's been very honest and plain speaking and, um, and again, been pretty funny on the old TikTok, has been John Longmire. So there'd be three I'd single out. Oh, and Clarko. Um, yeah, yeah. What great act of kindness in the time of corona made you cry this week, Corrie?
0: Uh, last week, I wrote a, um, in our newsletter that goes out to five and a half thousand, my bookshop friends, I wrote about a thank you to them all for supporting us during Corona and buying books. And I wasn't in the shop at the end of last week, but my colleague Deb called me up and said, the most extraordinary thing has happened. A customer, we don't know her name, a customer came in with an envelope and said, I would like to give this to the bookshop. And... Deb thought it was a card of some sort. The, the customer also said, you know, thank you so much for your service during lockdown and the books and da-da-da, all that sort of stuff. And so Deb rang me and said – we talked about the end of day and what had happened. And she said, oh, by the way, this customer came in. I think it's a card. I said, oh, open it. What, what does it say? And inside was some money with a note – putting this toward the bookshop as a thank you for all you have done. I know times are tough and I know you guys have probably taken a big hit with business. I just wanted to show my appreciation. So I don't know who you are. If you are a potty, but thank you from the bottom of my heart. We often joke sometimes at the bookshop about doing crowdfunding. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when we've got a bit of rent to pay. But um, it was just the most wonderful, wonderful gift. So that made me cry. Now, Carol,
1: you are sixty. Are you activating your seniors card? Well, look, I haven't actually thought about this, but I'm told I can go to movies cheaper. And um, dear Richard, my brother-in-law's brother did send me the link on my birthday, (laughs) as someone always does. So I got a very nice letter from the bank saying they're no longer going to be charging us fees. What? Because we're because I've turned sixty, and that was even before that was last week before I turned sixty. Yeah, they're not charging. And I was actually, you know, being me. Are you sure? I, absolutely. I wasn't even aware, I wasn't ever aware of how outrageous fees they were charging me, and I have been with them for a long time. So, yeah, so that was nice. Thank you, ANZ Bank. And, yeah, I probably will, Corrie, but a bit of paperwork I can put off for a few weeks. Corrie, what was your funniest Instagram moment this week?
0: Sam Neil the prop, which I've told you about before oh, on yeah. Instagram, which features Sam Neil the actor. He has been in fine form during coronavirus lockdown, and he has been bringing in some acting friends to assist him. The episode a few weeks ago with Hugo Vickers in the bathtub was hilarious. So, And, of course, they shoot it in different houses because they're not all together. But the backdrops, they the actors do work hard to try and make sure the backdrops work. They look a bit the same. It's brilliant. Anyway, this week, Helena Bonham carter Caro pops up and oh. she's playing the role of Sam's iPhone, <laughs> the one he forgot to take with him shopping. And when he arrives home, so the Instagram feed starts with Sam coming in with his shopping, whistling into the kitchen, puts it down and, you know, and he looks around and there's Helena Bonham Carter holding the iPhone. And she says, I'm smart and I'm beautiful. What do I do for you? List it. And Sam goes, music, movies, Candy Crush, Grand Theft Auto. I'm actually top level.
1: And you're even a telephone.
0: And she goes, exactly. And then she says, 10 minutes. I was here, Sam. 10 minutes. What do you say, Sam, when you leave the house? And he goes, Keys, wallet, phone. Louder! She says, (laughs) keys, wallet, phone. Yes, and what did you forget? Sam says, I forgot you. Oh, it's brilliant, Caro. It's so funny. Oh, I'm going
1: to have to watch this. It's
0: really, really funny.
1: I'm going to have to watch it. It'll cheer you up and it'll make you feel
0: younger. Uh, That's the end of our show.
1: That's Isn't a, that sad? <laughs> well, thank you, Corrie. Next, year
0: you'll be in, next week you'll be in your 61st year. You've
1: been, a, you've been a great host.
0: Would you like to do the sign-off because you haven't done very much today? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, I do do it quite a lot, but I will, Corrie. Thank you, Red Energy. That's the end of the show. Call 131806 for Real Aussie Energy. Thank you to all of our supporters. Thanks for your feedback, comments. Please send us more. Please send us your tips and suggestions to the Don't Shoot the oh, Miss Facebook do, page. Do
0: take a look at the Don't Shoot Pod Instagram account because there are lots of happy
1: birthdays from our poddies to you. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. I will. I'll have a look at it today. You can also email us feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Thank you, Miss Jane. Don't forget, our footy tips episode drops on Thursday morning before the footy kicks off. And we've got a GLT Corona episode coming up. It'll probably drop around Saturday, which is, um, we'll be right in the, th- well, some of us will be right in the thick of the footy. Corrie, what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger, especially if she's 60.
0: Thanks for listening to the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corrie Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy. Powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, call 131 806 for Real Aussie Energy.